If you're here this morning for the first time, it's okay. We started a new series on last week, but don't worry, because we just barely got into it. So we're, we're starting a new series on second Peter. Peter. All right, good. All right, I had the right place. I hadn't forgotten from last week to this week. I sometimes need to be reminded. And as I've mentioned, Peter is one of those characters, as we went through first Peter earlier this spring, that, that I really enjoy Peter. I can identify Peter's a fisherman, um, and when he doesn't get left on the dock, he can actually go fishing. I had that happen this week, and unfortunately, uh, I got back, so uh, Scarlet's sinking back there, but uh, they did come back for me, and I did get out and get go f- do some fishing this week. Uh, unlike Peter, I can't walk on water, so I needed the help. But anyways, as we continue in Second Peter, and I was thinking as I was singing and worshiping this morning, and Ryan, the songs are really spot on this morning. There was really good deep theology there, some good doctrine in those songs, and that would be Peter's cry, right? And as we talked about last week, we, we looked at how important it is to have good doctrine, good theology. Um, the, the problem of the day, and when Peter was writing this, was that there were false teachers, and there were people that were leading people astray. And so Second Peter writes this letter again to the same group to encourage them as they've been going through tough times, but encouraging them to, to dig a little bit deeper, to, to know what they believe. We, in fact, we even used the illustration last week, right? They used to, to, to teach bank tellers, right? They didn't show them all the fake $50 bills because that would be hard to do, but they would have them study the original. And if you know the original then you can easily identify those things that are false. And so same way with Scripture, we need to know what we do believe. As we sung in that song, those things are pillars to what we, we need in order to identify those things that are not true, things that could lead us astray or mess up our theology, if you want to use that term. We also talked about last week that, that Christ has given us everything. Uh, on the Charlie, you last week, my resident theolog- uh, theologian in the car said, Charlie, you didn't emphasize that point enough. And uh, uh, John and David got to hear a little bit of that. You know, she was reminding me, right? We've been given everything. not a little bit, not some, but everything. So I need to remind myself to, to check in with my, my theologian. And, uh, you know, but everything means everything. And we need all those things, right? We, we looked at those seven things that we need to add to our faith, right? We went through the, that list, that, that list of Peter encouraging us, right, to make every effort. There we go. If you're new here this morning, I don't ask rhetorical questions, so I, sometimes I'll wait and for that answer because I need that help, but also it helps me to know that, that we're, we're catching on what's going on. But You'll see that theme as we continue on in chapter 1, and it actually goes into chapter 2 about making every effort, right? And, and Peter emphasizes that effort. It takes something on our part. It's not get, save, and set, right? It's a, an adding to. It's a continuing on after our salvation, right? There's things that we need to do, and we have to put some effort into it. It just doesn't happen on its own. And so as we went through that list, right, of goodness and godliness and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, mutual affection, brotherly love, we talked about those things. And what was the reason for us continuing to add to that? What was, what was the problem if we didn't do those things? Anyone remember? Some of you are scrambling right now. and say, Oh, man, what did he say? No. 
right? Nearsighted, blindness, right? We stumble around in the dark, and we become unproductive. And certainly the Christian life is not to be meant as to be unproductive. Hence, Jill brought it up, why I asked that question in membership class, right? That's a good time, right? You're, you're making a commitment to be here. What are your gifts? How can you use those here in the church body? Because that's what the gifts are for. And certainly with and that gift of teaching is needed. And certainly with our young, but also with our old. And so Peter reminds us of that, that we need to use our gifts and those things that God's given us. And he's given us everything that we need to do that. So now you're up to date. So if you're visiting today, you're, you're right here with the rest of us. And then we're going to begin in verse 12, right in the middle of the chapter. And as we continue on this journey, I encourage you to read it. Um, there's a lot here this morning, and I'm going to touch some of the, the highlights, but there's more here if you want to spend some time on it, or as the sign says, marinate on it a little bit and let it seep in and break down. Verse 12 starts off with, so I will always remind you of these things. And even though you know them and are firmly established in truth, you now have, Right? It's a reminder. Peter's saying, I'm reminding you over and over again. As I'm getting older, I need reminders. I need them more and more all the time. PJ and I have this little dance that we do. She'll say, hey, can you go pick up a couple things at Walmart? She does not like to go into Walmart for any reason at any time. And so she'll say, hey, and she'll give me a couple things. And once she gets past two, I say, all right, honey, I need a list. Right, Because there's no way I'm going to remember three things. Two I might get, especially if one's for me. But once I get past two, yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, fishing lures, no problem. My pork rinds, I have no problem with those things. I can always remember those. But things on her list, yeah. Dog food, nah, I never remember that one. Right? But I need the list, right? Same thing here. We need the reminder. Right? And again, we, we need to be reminded often. And we talked a bit last week about communion, right? We do that as a remembrance of Christ. Remember what he did. Remember our salvation. There's a lot of reminders that we need for that encouragement and also to grow. And so Peter is no different here. He has this church that he loves, and he wants to remind them of the things that he's taught them, right? The things that you already know, that, that foundational truth. Go back to that. Remind, remind yourself of that. Verse 13, it says, I think it is right to refresh your memory. As long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. As mentioned here, contextually, Peter is at the end of his life. He's writing this letter, and really it's the last known letter that he writes to the church, and he's getting, he's older. He's, he's lived long enough, and he knows that God is calling him home, and so he says, my, my tent, my body is starting to, to wear out. Again, as I'm getting older, I realize that more and more. I, you know, sometimes even just getting out of the recliner, uh, things crack and pop and snap and uh, make all sorts of noises that they didn't used to do, right? The, the tent, our outer body is starting to waste away, and Peter realized that, and he says, hey, I'm going to be putting this aside, God's calling me home. I'm getting near that end. And again, through church history, we know that Peter does. He dies relatively soon after writing this. He's crucified. And so, for his faith. And so, 
he's reminding of this, and he's saying, hey, before I go, I want to tell you a few things. Right? It's that passing on to the next generation, as Jill mentioned very well, but it, it's something we should always be doing. And if we live long enough, we can pass it on to a couple generations. Right? But making sure we invest in the next gen one coming up, that reminder. Verse 15, and as, I, as I, I will make every effort, there's that word again, every effort, to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things, right? All the things that he's taught, all the, the words that he's spoken, he wants him to be reminded. Now, we can look at it from this perspective and say, hey, you know what? God fulfilled that, right? We're reading about his words today. Peter's long gone, but yet we have God's word here and his teachings. So it's kind of interesting when Peter was hoping that, yet we know that because we can look back. And God's word is important. You're going to hear how important God's word is this morning. And so that's the only way that it stays here, is if God breathes into it getting ahead of myself. It's coming up, but God's word's important, and certainly here, and it's important to Peter. Verse 16, we get into the problem. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesties. Again, Peter's reminding them, right? It's not, not his eloquence of speech, because he's a fisherman. He's a kind of rough-around-the-edges guy. It's not by his storytelling or his dynamic personality. He says, no, but I was an eyewitness. I was there, first account. Now, I've used this as many times, but if there's an accident scene, right? The police, when they arrive, they're looking for eyewitnesses, right? That's the, the best testimony to what took place. You get an accurate picture of, of what happened. And so Peter's saying, hey, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm, I'm one of those people that was there. I was one of those persons. I was with Christ. I devoted my life to him. I saw, I witnessed many things. Again, the, we see the problem is there's people that are attacking the apostle's character. Paul had that same struggle, and in many of his letters, he wrote the same thing, right? Paul, I'm an apostle, right? He had to remind them that he had spent time to justify his existence, his teaching, his authority, because it came under question. Verse 17, again, he's talking about Christ here. He says, Christ received honor and glory from God, the Father. When his voice came from him, when the voice came from him, the majesty and glory saying, this is my son who I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven, and we, we were with him on that sacred mountain. Now, if you don't know the story of the New Testament, or you don't know all of Peter's life, or all of Jesus, you might miss that, but that's a reference back to the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter was up there with John and, and Jesus, and again, God, the light shone, and there was a conversation going on. You don't know that story, a good chance to go back and read it, it's in Mark chapter 9. You can read the whole account there in relatively short form. But again, Peter says, I was that eyewitness. I heard that voice. It was an audible voice. He heard God speak. Hey, this is my son. We can surmise that most likely a lot of these false teachers were 
attacking who Jesus was or his authority. Why can I say that? Because it's still going on today. Right? There are many false teachers and religions out there today that attack who Jesus was. Many say, well, he was a good man, or maybe he was, yeah, he was a prophet. He was a good teacher. Well, that's true, but that's only a small portion of who Jesus was, right? or who he is, and who we place our trust in. And so Peter's saying, hey, I saw this. I heard this directly from God. This is, this is his son that he sent. It's important in the theology, obviously. And again, our whole faith breaks down without that. If Jesus wasn't who he said he was, and he wasn't who God said he was. And so Peter's shoring that up. He's firming that up. Again, if you know that, then when people say Jesus is something else other than what the Bible says, then it's easy to identify and say, no, that's false. I'm not going down that path. See, the importance of having that theology and having that. Again, there's, there's much that's been written on things that are false about Jesus. But we have the truth. Verse 19, he shifts gears a little bit and continuing with this to help them recognize false teachers. Verse 19 says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Again, there's a little bit of background that you need to know here, but, but Peter's saying, hey, there's also things yet to come, right? We, we talk about the coming of the Lord, then that day of judgment. Those things haven't happened yet. There are prophetic things that are yet to be fulfilled. They're, they're, they're out there in the future. And Peter uses this illustration as like the dawn in the morning, right? Quite often, if you watch... if if you're up that early, not all of you get up that early, but if you get up early before the sunrise, you quite often, you'll see a star that appears first. Most would say it's a planet, right? We can usually see Venus first thing in the morning before the, the sun fully gets up. Right? But it's, it's a precursor to the sun rising. And so Peter's using that example here. It's the same thing in our hearts. We know that Christ is coming back for us. We believe in heaven. We believe in the future. This is not all there is, and that should give us great hope. And it shines through all of that, and so it's a very vivid picture, and it's a beautiful um, picture of what is yet to come, that hope. Peter's looking forward to that, right? He's looking like, hey, this is something that's going to happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to when I die, and I get to see Christ in person again. Reminds us that our circumstances are not all there is, right? We have hope above that. Joe was part of Joe's prayer, right? No matter where we are, we have that, that hope. And Jesus is right there with us. Verse 20 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture ever came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is where I get into the, the importance of Scripture, right? It's just not man-written, right? It's just not another book, right? These words were from God, spoken through men, given by the Holy Spirit. A good reference is uh, Timothy, right? 3.16, right? Carried along. Men were carried along 
as they wrote the very words that we have. Scripture is important. Scripture is our plumb line, right? We've used that. It's where we go back to and we see where things are truthful or not. We look at God's word. What does God's word say? Not my opinion of what God's word says, but what does God's word say? And we hold very dear to that, right? These words help and guide us and shape us. The world is telling us all different things, but what does God's word say? Is it truth? Is it good? Is it bad? What decisions? So much is in this scripture that we have that we've been blessed with. But it's not just merely a guide. It's also our lifeblood. It's where our theology, it's how we know, how we can discern right and wrong. We can discern a good teacher or a bad teacher. And so we need to go back to it often. We need to continually read to it. Kind of refers back to early in the chapter, right? To be adding to our knowledge, right? Going back and reading through the scriptures. Firming up that foundation. Interestingly enough, even this morning, I could end it here in chapter one, right? That's where the chapter breaks. But I, as I was studying this week, I'm like, nah, there's three more verses. So you get a little bit of bonus. We're going to actually go into chapter two this morning. Uh, the chapter break didn't really line up well, at least with my study, and so we're going to go a little bit further, all right? I'm going to ask for some grace as we jump into chapter 2 just a little bit. It's kind of a transition verse anyways, but you'll see the importance here of what Peter just said. Again, this whole letter was written at once, and so it could be read all at one time, and certainly it's good to do that, but as we're breaking it up this morning, but chapter 2, verse 1 says, but there... But, again, from what we just heard, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Sadly to say, not much has changed. Right? To even today, we still have the same problem. Same problem this church had, same problem today. There are still false prophets and pro- false teachers among us. Right? And we need help discerning that. And I love how he emphasizes the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit can help with that. Scriptures help with that. Good teachers can help with that. Because guess what? They're still among us today. Not much has changed. Some of their methods may have changed. The way they say it or the, the way they do it. Here's one of the examples that he gives here. He says, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. One of the nice things here, and if you read into this a little bit, you, you see that, you know what, just because there's a false teacher out there, I don't have to do battle with them. I don't have to, to go after them or discredit them, right? They already have destruction on them, right? God's already dealing with them. The thing that I have to be careful is that I don't listen to it, right? I don't invest in it. I don't follow along with their teaching. But I don't have to do the battle. I don't have to, to go after them or speak against them. Their judgment is already on them. But I do have to be careful how much time I spend with them, if I spend any at all. Again, that, that secretly introduced, right? Something new, something, something exciting. Sometimes that's what draws people in. 
I always get concerned when I hear, oh, hey, here's a new teaching, or I've got a, a new word from the Lord. I had a young man that did that to me often, and I got to a point where I used to just cringe when he came up to me. He's like, hey, hey, I got a word from the Lord, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go, right? Because quite often it was false, or, or it wasn't, it was only half truth, and so we have to be careful about that, and, and, and again, it's not bad to look through things with some scrutiny and to, to run them back through God's word and say, you know what? I'm not sure if I really believe that or not. I've got to study that out some more. Make some effort there. You can see how these work together. But he does warn, though, right? it can be destructive. Right? It can keep and take us away from our relationship with God. It can steer us away, right? It can get our eyes off focus of what we should be focusing on. And so we do have to be careful with that. Verse 2 says, Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated... Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. And again, he just helps us here in understanding how to not only identify, but to be careful of how we interpret that or how much time we invest in them. Right? He says quite often they're going to they're gonna lead a large group away, right? A large people, right? The, that path is wide. Right? I believe that's a, another scripture, right? But the path is really narrow that we should be following, right? And a lot of times when there's large crowds, it's not always a good thing. Right? The, it's not based on numbers, in that, but on good teaching. Right? And he even says they'll exploit them, right? They're in it for, some, for alternative motives, whether it's financial gain or pride or notoriety or fame, whatever it is, it's for the wrong reasons. And usually, I've lived long enough to watch that quite often they don't seem to make it long term. They get tripped up somewhere and it becomes public, right? Time doesn't do them well. They, they, they rise very quickly, they get large, and then sadly many of them fall. And I say sadly because, again, it's, they've led people astray with that. People have gotten following them and not God. And that's the, the, the danger uh, of some of these teachers. Yeah, we don't have to worry about them, right? Because their destruction's upon them, right? God will deal with them. God's the one that will judge them. So kind of a somber message this morning. Sorry for that, but that's what's in Scripture. But it, it, it should also give us hope, though, that we're here today and that we do have everything we need, right, to determine these things. We, we have the tools, we're not ill-equipped. We, we have what we need. We don't have to worry about being led astray if we stick to God's Word and His teaching and the Holy Spirit and, again, sharpening each other, good messages and who we follow. So even though it can be a, a downer, it could be an encouragement to you this morning that you're here this morning, that you're hearing God's Word and that you, in your own time, are studying what Scripture says. So I want to encourage you to continue on in that fight. I also want to encourage you that if you hear something and something just doesn't quite sound right, take some time. Go back and look through it. How does that line up with God's word? 
In the day of information, we get lots of information, but discerning on what is good and what is bad takes time, takes effort, takes focus. And so I want to encourage you this week to, to be mindful of that and to, to be listening with God's ear this morning for this week to come. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that's been preserved and that's been handed down and that we have, Lord, so that we can have everything that we need, Lord, that we can discern truth. Lord, we ask that you would continue to do that work in us, Lord, that we would continue to make that effort to grow in our faith, to grow in that relationship with you. Lord, I also ask that you would just help us as we give us those opportunities to, to maybe speak into a brother or sister that maybe have, have gone astray or maybe they're following after something that they shouldn't be. That we'd be gentle in that and that we would be helpful in that and that we would go back to the scriptures and sit down with that person and say, hey, let's look at this through God's lens. Help us not to be judgmental, but help us to have that spirit of sensitivity when we speak to them. And Lord, just encourage us in all that you do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.